0: Welcome to a special sports edition of the Happy Rant podcast. I'm Ted Cluck, joined by Barnabas Piper, who is the only other guy on our program who watches sports. Uh, Pipe, we've had some requests online, man, on Twitter from our great listenership, uh, asking for more of this, asking for a little bit more sports content. And far be it from us to deny the people what they want. So uh, yeah, no, we have a, no disappointing listeners. Yeah, we're not going to disappoint listeners, man. Absolutely not. We're all about our listeners, and we're also all about talking about things that we enjoy talking about anyway, which is uh, NFL football. So, uh, pipe the AFC and NFC championship games are in the books. We have a Super Bowl matchup. So let's get right into this. Uh, we have New England versus Atlanta. So the Atlanta Falcons uh, obviously haven't been uh, they haven't been to a Super Bowl since uh, a really painful thing. Uh, occurred many, many years ago in your formative years, um, which was the Falcons (laughs) beating your beloved Minnesota Vikings. So talk about that a bit. Talk about uh, how how old were you when that happened? Where were you in life? See, I I was, uh, so it was, it was the 98 season.
1: So the game would have been early, early 99. Um, So I would have been, I mean, I saw a sophomore in high school, junior in high school, something like that. Um, So I mean, it was, I was, I was at, you know, the most sort of rabid Vikings fan stage of life. And up to that point, I had only heard tell of how heartbreaking being a Vikings fan was. Like they'd been disappointing. They'd lost in the first round of the playoffs, but no like rip your guts out moments, uh, until then. So the Vikings went 15 and one that year they broke the nfl sc-
0: offense
1: yeah just it, it broke the nfl scoring record it was it was subsequently broken again but at the time like the most explosive offense in nfl history uh randall cunningham had a resurgence as like a 37 year old throwing to chris carter and randy moss who were just the perfect complement as receivers they had robert smith at yeah. running back who had just incredible breakaway speed they had a you know an opportunistic defense and uh they were they were so good um just you know first round bye and then they destroyed a couple teams in the playoffs that year to make it to the NFC championship game where they were favored over the Falcons who I think went 14 and 2 that year cuz that was the yeah, the Falcons dirty...
0: were good but they were yeah. they were unremarkable they, in the sense that I mean who's even their
1: quarterback I was like uh, Eric it was what not uh Chris uh Chris Chandler Chris Chandler that's right yeah and he was, he was also old
0: yeah yeah he he, was old, and, he played for the Colts for a bunch of years he was a journeyman And he had he had a good
1: year that year, but not you know he wasn't he was no Randall Cunningham, and uh, but they had Jamal uh, Jamal Anderson. Jamal Anderson. I I wanted to say Jamal Lewis, but that was another good running back. So Jamal Anderson, they ran him like four hundred and eighty times. He rushed for like eighteen hundred yards and a bunch of touchdowns. It was the it was you know made the made the Dirty Bird Dance famous.
0: And so, uh, the whole name another player from their offense besides Chris Chandler and Jamal Anderson. uh, was, was Andre Ryzen was Andre Ryzen on that team? I think Bad Moon Ryzen was on that team. Bob Whitfield was their left tackle. Um, but that's I mean, it, they dude. Like, they had a decent passing offense. But like it,
1: but I don't remember the players who were the recipients of said passes. Who made it
0: happen exactly, exactly.
1: And uh, and they were also kind of an opportunistic turnover defense. Not you know not a real stuff you know stuff the offense not a type of defense. Yeah, not right. a lot of three and outs kind of thing. Um, and right. so the. The the Vikings kicker Gary Anderson had not missed the entire year, so perfect on all field goals and all extra points. And he uh he missed a kick that would have won the game for the Vikings and, and, and as time expired.
0: And, and Gary Anderson was in like his thirty fifth year at that point. Yeah. You know, I mean he'd been and, around forever. <clears throat>
1: And Morton Anderson for the Falcons kicked the field goal that won it for them, if my recollection is correct. After Gary Anderson missed the field goal, uh, I don't remember much that happened in that game because it was just – that was when I actually had my heart ripped out. And so it was – w- I was somewhat lifeless. Uh, Dude, but anyway, yeah, they, yeah, the Falcons went on and got thoroughly thumped by the Elway and Terrell Davis-led Broncos, which I think the Vikings probably would have gotten beat by that team too because those Broncos teams were so good they were but yes that was the last time the falcons did anything good on a football field
0: dude so i want to talk about that i want to talk about one aspect of the falcons that that uh to date nobody has brought up yet and that's the fact that if you look at the history of the atlanta falcons they've had some great uniforms like the the red helmet red jersey gray pants era was great even though like you know the Deion Sanders black jersey, black helmet, gray pants era. I think was pretty strong, and now they've got this uniform. Pipe it looks like a it looks like an arena football uniform. It's yeah, I was going to I was going to say XFL. You know, the, remember dude, the, the like XFL the, arena? The thing is a, the thing is a freaking mess. This thing,
1: yeah, it's, and, it's all just like it's like panels of red and black and white, just sort of stitched together in triangles.
0: Dude, it's panels on top of panels. It's busy. Uh, It's terrible. And I feel like Atlanta could have, like, you know, thrown a dart at, like, a poster of their uniform history and picked anything except this monstrosity. So I want to be excited about Matt Ryan and about them being in the Super Bowl and, and, you know, this high-potent octane offense that they have. But I I literally – I'm a big aesthetics guy. I'm sure you are, too. Like, the the way uniforms look and the way the two uniforms look together – and, and I got to be honest with you, man, as long as we're on this, honest to gosh, I kind of feel the same way about new England. Great team, all the respect in the world for Tom Brady and bill
1: Belichick. Historically cool uniforms. Like back when they had the, uh, the minute man hiking the football, dude, the that, minute those, those those hiking the
0: football was so fresh with that red Jersey and the white pants and the, the three thick stripes, this thing, uh, that, they, that they've stuck with for like a decade. Now this thing is blah. it's blase to me. Yeah. Um, I don't know these are two like very unsatisfying uniforms and i think what makes it hurt more is the fact that they could be good you know yeah there's the the
1: both both the the names the logos and the color schemes are set up for success if they're done tastefully and they're not Absolutely. they're so bad now i when i when my first year of little league baseball i played at this little city park and so we were funded by it was like a publicly funded park league and so we had like crummy mesh back hats and t-shirts and that was like that was our <laughs> yeah, uniform yeah and we would yep. play against these parks that had like boosters you know like parents would oh, yeah. or sponsors like local restaurants and so they come in with like their their stirrups and their the, you know their cool polyester baseball pants oh, and, their stirrups, uniform. and like we we i mean we were not a good baseball team but we lost before we played because we're like that's a baseball team and we're kids wearing t-shirts so there were no you wearing fo- on the
0: bottom we were just wearing sweats or whatever
1: yeah i mean some kids would like playing jeans I mean, it was like oh, watching the same. It was like jeans. it was like this. You know, like the scene in the Sandlot where the, yeah. the the snotty kids ride up on their bikes. It that yeah. was the way we looked versus the way they looked. Except that we were not the the good Sandlot team. We were really crappy. Oh, but uh, but but we we just felt inferior because uniforms sure. absolutely matter. And if you look They're sharp, so you, you're a half step up on the other team that doesn't.
0: I totally agree. And, and what kills me about this Super Bowl is that neither team. Will look sharp, and no, uh, they just—they just, look tacky. They do. They look tacky. That's the thing. They're like they're trying too hard. You know what but I mean? You know, you know
1: what'll redeem it for New England? What's that? Bill Belichick's cutoff hoodie. Because Absolutely nothing,
0: nothing is classier than Belichick's cutoff hoodie. Can we talk about that for a minute? Because here's the thing: everybody hates the Patriots. Everywhere I go, somebody's telling me about how much they hate the Patriots. I love the Patriots. Uh, I, I love watching them win. I love watching them like work around problems with their personnel. Um, I, I just find I I find Bill Belichick utterly fascinating, man. And I love I, watching I love, him. The, I love
1: watching them stick it to Roger Goodell year after year Dude, after year. Yes. Because so
0: he's because he's the question. literal worst. It's it's a twofold question. Why do people hate the Patriots so much? So I want you to speak to that. But then uh, why can't you hate the Patriots? You know what I'm saying? Yes. Um so why do people hate him so much, by
1: uh, I think the first answer, and of course, every Patriot hater would would deny this, is just jealousy. Yeah. Because if if you remember in two thousand and one when they won their first Super Bowl, I think it was against the Rams. It was Brady. You know, the Brady had just taken over for for Bledsoe, and it was kind of the upstart sixth round pick. Blah blah blah. They were yeah. a beloved team. They were like this this gritty. Like they oh, yeah. make up for their lack of talent and whatever. And they built a dynasty out of doing the exact same thing. They've never been more talented than the other teams that they beat in terms of like skill position players. Right. And, and I think that's part of the reason people hate them is like, they, they shouldn't be this good, but they're, they're actually genuinely smarter than everybody else in the NFL. And everybody hates the smart kid.
0: Everybody hates. I mean, isn't yeah, that what well, you should endeavor to be as a franchise? Like, right.
1: here, here's what I love but, about football But football is not a smart game. Like, the, the I mean, it is. It should be. But yeah. it's still sort of that, like, macho meathead, like, three yards in a cloud of dust, and we're just going to run them over. And, uh, and so when you get the Patriots who are like, you know, we're going to play two down linemen on defense, and we're going to run six defensive backs, and then the next game we're going to run, you know, a 5-3 where right. it's, we're just going right. to load the box. And they don't even have a scheme, whereas other teams are like, this is the defense we run, and we're just going to run it so well that we stop the other team, right. and then they get outsmarted. And so people hate the smart kid who just always figures things out.
0: Absolutely. And the Patriots, they get smart players. They draft smart players. They develop their players. Uh, they get rid of guys before they get old. Uh, Belichick is notoriously – Cold-hearted and, and gangster about when he gets rid of people, but, uh, but it works. Oh, yeah. And I think, I think what's fascinating to me about it is that it's been a completely sustainable enterprise. You know, you see other teams go through peaks and valleys. So let's say a team will win a Super Bowl, and then it has to have, like, you know, the big fire sale in the offseason because it can't re-sign people. Right. And, you know, Belichick, to me, he decides the few positions that he's going to spend money on and then everybody else is completely expendable and he's and just even then though rep- like he, he but you have like the perfect
1: marriage of him and Tom Brady because Brady is this he you know Tiger woods Michael Jordan level like sociopathic competitor who yeah. who doesn't all he wants to do is win and so yeah. he takes he he could make probably 10 to fifteen more 10 to 15 million more per year than he does. But he yeah. knows that that 10 to 15 million can go to defensive backs and a good left guard and, right. you know, some depth. And all of a sudden they they now have this
0: functional team instead of stars and scrubs. So I guess this is why this is so fascinating to me is that you have people at every level, starting with Bob Kraft and Bill Belichick, and you work your way down. Even the players are making smart choices as it pertains to the sustainability of the enterprise, so but they, yeah, they literally
1: studio. take they'll take somebody out back and shoot them if they don't get on board. That's the Belichick thing. Yeah. Like the, you'll see him sign a free agent and cut him ten days later because and you just well, know what, oh he didn't he didn't get with the
0: program. What's fascinating to me about it though is the the free agents it, throughout the course of the Belichick regime who who have been malcontents in other places who they've yeah. assimilated yeah. and used brilliantly. Uh, Corey Dillon being maybe the first example of this. And
1: everybody thought he was washed up, and then he goes there and rushes for like 1,400 yards and 12 touchdowns or something.
0: Absolutely. This is a guy who was kind of a locker room cancer in Cincinnati, put up big numbers, kind of got disinterested and disenfranchised toward the end of his run as a Bengal, goes to New England. you know, Belichick gets him for pennies on the dollar because that's the the model, right? Um, And then he ends up being... Absolutely the perfect guy for the system. Yeah. Randy Moss is the is the next example of this.
1: Well, and that's the other thing is like people think system and they think guys who just sort of keep their mouth shut and go about their business. Moss and Rob Gronkowski are two of the most flamboyant, arrogant NFL athletes ever. And they work in that system because Belichick doesn't give two craps what those people do with their right. lifestyle. He only right. cares about how well they play in his system. And those guys are perfect football players for the system. They, they, they got on the same page as Brady. They played by his rules and then they could be as mouthy as they wanted elsewhere. Or Gronk could go like party in the Bahamas in his off week. And, uh, (laughs) and, and he Belichick's like, I don't care.
0: Can he catch a touchdown? Absolutely. That's what's great about it. And I think that's, what's great from an X's and O's standpoint too. So again, you look at the history of the Belichick regime. There's always been offensively a guy who was a matchup nightmare. And for years it was Randy Moss um, you know, he was your stretch the field guy. He was your, you know, uh, matchup problem for coordinators. And now it's Gronkowski, the guy who just sort of, just sort of skews things from a defensive perspective. Where you go, how are we going to cover this guy, and what do we have to devote personnel wise to covering this guy? Um, and then Belichick has all these other pieces like West yeah. Welker and, and now Danny Amendola and Julian uh, and Edelman, Edelman, Julian Edelman,
1: Chris Hogan right. who caught two touchdowns in the in the AFC Championship game, and like. And I think that's another reason people don't like them is because other teams are like loaded up with, you know, these Adonis skill position players. And right. then you look at the Patriots and you're like, they have a bunch of five, nine, 190 pound white guys who run a four five forty, And they just dismantle defenses. Now they do have, I and mean, because they
0: don't even have Gronk right now and they're still doing right. it and they get Dude, these has running. Any, has, has any organization in the history of the world ever given more hope to white receivers everywhere. Like, if you're a white guy and you're playing wide receiver in, like, high school, how can the Patriots not be your favorite team? Well,
1: and then they did it with Danny Woodhead, who was a Division three running back who's literally 5'7". seven, And exactly. he, he went there and became a matchup nightmare out of the backfield. And then, I mean, he proved himself to be good when he went to San Diego and whatever, too. But, I mean, he played at the same level as, like, Taylor University and Wheaton College exactly. where you and I went and and exactly. you know just these these tiny little schools now I think he broke the NCAA record for rushing but yeah yeah he was still great. division he, he three great. and he's five seven and 200 pounds he's just a little stocky dude yeah they just they pull these guys out and then and then guys who are they're sort of looked at as like ah he might be a marginal sort of kick returner type and all of a sudden he catches 80 passes for him out of the backfield you know he's there he's their new pass catching running back they just they see things that other people don't see
0: and other people hate them for it. Absolutely. So th- this brings me to another topic. One of my favorite players, I think my favorite guy to watch this year. Um, and I, I want to know, you know, for you either on Atlanta or uh new England, who your favorite guy to watch was, but my guy was LeGarrette Blunt. and LeGarrette Blunt, I think I love because he fits this paradigm of Belichick taking someone off somebody else's scrap heap and then just making, uh, the perfect system guy out of that player. So I'm a fan of big backs. I've always been a big back guy. Uh, blunt was uh, a big back at Oregon, who in his college career now, was probably is, most. For,
1: th- quick, quick trigger warning uh, for listeners: yeah. This is not the same as like baby got back. This is big running backs. So like big large, large right. human beings. Just to just to clarify,
0: if they're listening to this program, they know, man, they know what we're talking about. Okay. But uh, fair enough. It's so a blunt. The, the the first thing I loved about Le, LeGarrette Blunt, and this is going to be a trigger warning too because it shows how much of a jerk I am, but uh, LeGarrette Blunt in college was going through a handshake line after a game, and he did something that I think I've dreamed my entire life of doing in a handshake line <laughs> after a game, which is decking some dude from the other team. And uh, I'm not condoning There was this. always
1: one of- dude. There was always one dude on the other team who needed to be decked, and just... Dude, I never, had the, dude I never had the stones to do it.
0: Dude, and you go through that that awful handshake line, and you, you, you just, like, offer your limp hand, and you don't make eye contact, and it's the worst, right? Uh, but LeGarrette Blunt took matters into his own hands, literally, and he decks some dude in a handshake line, which, again, not condoning. It was the wrong thing to do. Uh, whatever. But it did make him memorable. <laughs> whatever. Um, <laughs> whatever. So then he goes to the NFL. I think he he maybe smoked a bunch of weed. I don't remember the the particulars, but for whatever reason he was he was undesirable and he was available for a bargain.
1: Well, he's uh, but- he's like he's big and he's slow. Like he's he's not he's not agile. He if if you looked at him in the combine, you're like, oh, he looks like a running back. He's six two and two hundred and forty pounds or whatever. But yeah, he wasn't fast and he's he's not like he can't make
0: a cut. Dude, he's but here's just- what he does well. Here's what he does impeccably well, and this is why I enjoy watching him. Nobody runs behind a fullback better than LeGarrette Blunt in the That's NFL. True.
1: That's true. He
0: gets what's blocked, man. He goes between the tackles and he gets what's blocked. And this, this is the crazy thing, right? So if I'm starting a franchise right now and if I have to get three or four yards per carry and I'm building into my offense the aspect of having to do that periodically, I might take him, man. I might take him over a bunch of other guys who are flashier and who can do more. And that's an example of the Belichick way, right? He's not spending, you know, he, he hasn't thrown money at that position ever. You know, yeah. when was the last time they had an elite, like big, big dollar, high, big ticket running back?
1: Never. Um, but I mean, they, they, yeah, they, I worked. think they, they've drafted some guys like second, third rounds, I think, but they've never really Lawrence worked out. <clears throat> yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah Univ- University of them. Minnesota guy. That's right. That's right. I enjoy oh. watching McGarrett Blunt, though. Who's that yeah. guy for you, Pipe, on either oh, team that you really just enjoy watching?
1: Um I watch the Falcons so rarely I don't really have a good answer for that. The thing that I love watching on the Falcons is their offensive line. Because their running yeah. backs their running backs are, are they're fine players. Yeah. But that offensive line makes their life so easy. And makes Matt Ryan's life so easy. But they're also just nasty. Like they're nasty blockers. They love to blow up a defense and create a hole for the running back to go through. So like watching Devontae Freeman or Tevin Coleman break a break a run because there's like it's a it's a gap seven people wide and they just stroll yes. through it is fun to watch. Because those guys in the secondary are fun to like when they when they get to that level, they're fun to watch. Uh and the obvious answer also is Julio Jones because I mean he is He's a monster. He freaky. He's just yeah. a monster. That touchdown that he broke against the Packers was—I I just sat back and laughed because that's not a yeah. human thing to do.
0: He was he dude. Was so it's insane. funny. This is this is one of those like styles make fights games where you know we just spent twenty minutes extolling the virtues of of all of New England's little scrap heap. nobody wanted them receivers, but then you know you look across the field and you got aliens. You know what I mean? You, yeah. You've got Cleo exactly. Jones. Mohamed Sanu, who's pretty freaky. I mean, you've just got yeah, some he's, freaky. Yeah, he's another,
1: like, six six three two ten. Like, he's just a big, yeah. big route runner. Yeah,
0: big physical route runner, great 50-50 ball guys. I mean, guys who are just, like, you know, going to gonna control things when the ball is in the air. So it's a really I, I love action. I
1: love the way Kyle Shanahan calls plays, too, because oh, me too. He's, me too. He, he's so good at using the players he has. Because, obviously, yeah. Julio Jones makes life easy on an offensive coordinator anyway, but he puts him even in a better position to succeed where he, cause how do you get a guy like that into single coverage? Because why would the defense do that? But he does it anyway. And then the way they use their running backs out of the backfield. I love a team that can throw to their running backs. Well, because Absolutely. it's, you know, not just sort of like the, the screen pass, but like get them out eight, 10 yards downfield to use them as receivers. Shanahan's yep. a, a real smart play caller.
0: He really is, man, and and so here's my question with Kyle Shanahan: Do you think he's going to be able to make the leap and be the kind of CEO figure that he will need to be as a head coach? Man, that is such a hard thing to predict because, like, uh, I I, I, I think guess he the might... reason I ask is you see so many of these like successful coordinators, these X and O guys, the Josh McDaniels types who. They they make the leap up and they they can't seem to do it. You know what I mean. But the
1: the difference is like McDaniel's came out of a Belichick system where you, you kind of wonder how like he's a piece of that puzzle, but that puzzle right. stands on its own. That's true. Whereas like Shanahan, he made the he made the Redskins tick a couple years yeah. ago. Like he made oh, yeah. Kirk Cousins good. That's yep. a I I you know <laughs> that's not an easy thing to do. And, and honestly, then, uh, that he made Robert Griffin III good. Right. He really. And, did. And and, and in two two entirely different ways. So he looked at what the guys could do and go, okay, how do we build an offense around what these guys can do? then he goes down there with Matt Ryan, who's it like Matt Ryan's always been an above average quarterback, but he's never been elite. And all of a sudden he could very well win the NFL MVP this year because he's, he, he drew every ounce of talent out of him. You know, Julio Jones was always a freak, but now he got, he got that contribution out of every other offensive player. And so I I think he can do it simply because it looks like he can look at what he has and go okay how do we build uh, a scheme around the talent we have and then supplement that talent like they did with a, you know what who did they sign Alex Mack I think as a center and, yep. and and drafting a couple offensive linemen and Yep. so I think I mean it sounds like he's going to go be the Niners head coach if if Dude, all wish breaks the Niners, that way the Niners desperately need a guy like that you know that I mean, that's a I, I think. If he goes there and he's the play caller, Colin Kaepernick could become a real NFL quarterback again. I totally because when, agree. I when he resurrect. was under Jim Harbaugh, he was. And then he yeah. then then he had offensive coordinators who tried to turn him into like a conventional quarterback. And I mean, you can't do that. He he could be Robert Griffin the third from whatever that was, five years ago.
0: Dude, and what's so interesting about that is that when when Kaepernick was with Harbaugh, they were doing a lot of the same things scheme wise that RG three did under Shanahan yeah. with Redskins. So I think a lot of that a lot of that material is going to get dusted off. A lot of the pistol stuff, a lot of the half field reads, a lot of the play action. Um
1: and a lot of using Kaepernick as a runner, which I think he's actually probably Absolutely. a better runner than Griffin simply because he's he's bigger and stronger.
0: He's bigger. He can take more pounding, most definitely, man. It'll be fascinating to see. Um, what the curve is like in San Francisco. You know, I I haven't looked at their roster closely. Um and I, I've heard people say things like they're the you know, it's the it's the thinnest roster in the league and they have the furthest the to go in terms of talent. But uh That's but I true. Don't know.
1: But the difference is I think they also don't have a ton of money tied up in garbage players. So they they can they can make some strategic splashes in free agency if they draft all their their biggest need right now is a is a GM who's not an idiot. And I don't That's know true. who that is because they they just fired their uh, their GM and I think their yeah. owner is also a big issue because I think he's a he's kind of an interfering owner. That's another thing that both the Falcons and the Patriots have in common is an owner who yeah. lets their front office people run the show and they don't meddle in it.
0: That's so huge, man! That, I I think that's almost essential to uh, to survival in the NFL. Yeah, um, you gotta have an owner who stays out of the way and just writes the checks. Um Piper, we're almost out of time here, but uh, I want to get your prediction on the game before we go. First of all, what are you doing for the game? What does uh, Super Bowl Sunday at the, at the Piper residence look like? Are you having a party? Are you going to a party? Yeah, I'll
1: probably – I don't have any set plans, but I will probably end up watching with some friends at, at, a, uh, at some Super Bowl party. Watching a Super nice. Bowl requires large groups of people, at least two thirds of whom never watch football. I think that's sort of the the rule. That's They're there true. for this, you know. You you need to have two thirds of the people who are there for the commercials and the snacks, and one third of the people who care deeply about the
0: game. Absolutely, man. That's exactly what it looks like at my house too. So, um, that's a good mix. Pipe. What uh, what what do you envision happening here, game wise? Oh man i I think
1: I think the Patriots win. Um, because I just I don't know how to pick against them. Yeah, <laughs> it just it seems almost undoable. I think right. if anybody can figure out how to sh- to slow down a uh, a Shanahan scheme and Julio Jones, it's it's the the Belichick monster. Um, yep. And I would bet that the game is something like if if they win, it's because they keep the points down. You know, because if right. if it gets up into like the thirties. Uh, yeah. It means the Falcons are putting points on the board, and that's bad news. So, I, like something like 24-20 or 24-21 Patriots, something along those Dude, lines.
0: Dude, that's funny. I was I was going to say the exact same thing. I think it'll be a lower scoring game than people think, and I think New England wins with uh, with defense. You know, I think they're gonna they're gonna move the pieces around the board such that uh, that that they find an answer to this Atlanta yeah. offense. And when, and when was the last
1: score. time they, When was the last time there was a shootout Super Bowl? Dude, I like don't two, know. Two fan. teams just trading points.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I would have to look. You know what's funny, Pipe, about me and about the Super Bowl? Like and I was telling my wife about this a couple of weeks ago. I get to this point in the season and I kind of stop caring. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I'm enjoying well, talking about yep. this and I love I love football. I can talk about it ad nauseum, but I, I I didn't watch a ton of the conference championships. Like we went to see a movie and um I don't know. I just I'm more of an early season guy. I love like I love all the draft stuff now. I'm excited about the Senior Bowl and the East West game, and you know thinking about scouting and all those things. But uh, but but yeah, I don't have like this photographic memory of of recent Super Bowls. But I'm sure there have been some shootouts.
1: Yeah, I still remember. Honestly, have, every every year at about this time, I try to think back on who won the Super Bowl last year, and it yeah. takes me about three minutes to, to piece it together because I just Dude, I worked. can't remember. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I know it. It's not like a huge uh, thing, you know. It's not. It's not a big monumentous thing that I remember uh, a whole lot. But I'm with you. I'm going with New England. Uh, Low-scoring game. Uh, my son is a rabid Patriots fan, so if they lose, he will be in a, in the deepest of of funks. So, uh, so just <laughs> for the good of our household, I'm hoping that New England wins. But uh, Pipe, this has been fun, man. We need to do this more often. More, uh, more spo- sports-related programming, special episodes. Yeah on the happy rant if you like this if you want more of this let us know on twitter and uh and we will deliver because well i i'll tell you we when we when we teased
1: last episode that we might do something like this we got Mm -hmm. quite a few responses on twitter of people saying more sports we need more sports so yeah we should definitely do this more maybe we can do a a post super bowl recap and i don't know talk a little basketball your love for gordon hayward something along
0: those lines Dude, that would be great. We could do a Gordon Hayward app. We can do a little NFL draft app. I could. I we, could should, talk about we should. We should do it.
1: Yeah, draft for sure. We should do a sport like a sports man crush app. Like, who do you just, oh, you know, yeah, you dude. you are you are swooning for Gordon Hayward, and I, yes. I imagine
0: there's there's a bit of a list there. There's a list, man. There's definitely there's always a running list. Probably. Yeah, you have, you
1: have one in your your little lockup diary. I know it's there. <laughs> Absolutely, man. The the kind of like a little
0: snap on it. Yep, little clasp for sure. It, you know what? I would, I would rather keep that in my uh, Mission Aware Happy Rant moleskin journal, but until then, the Clasp Diary will have to be uh, sufficient. Yeah, it's a sorry substitute, but it's what we've got. It is. It's all we've got. Pipe, this has been fun. We've wandered to and fro. Until next time, Rachel the Held Evans. The Happy Rant is brought to you by Resonate Recordings.
1: Resonate has helped us with our editing and mastering pretty much from the beginning of the podcast. If you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. Mark and Jake do a fantastic and timely job with all sorts of podcast services. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. You're fearfully and wonderfully made.
0: LifeAudio.com to listen and subscribe.